Hello and welcome to the winter season of the Wildly Successful Law Firm Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Nermeen Jasani, and this season is packed with the most common questions that I get from lawyers. This season is all about those FAQs and not only that, but I've included all of these questions and their answers in written PDF format because I know you're a lawyer and you love things that are written. That's just how our brains are wired from law school. I get it, I'm the same way too. So, all these questions are coming from the book that I created at the end of last year called Zero to a Million, How to Grow a Wildly Successful Law Firm and How to Scale It. The link for that is right below and it will take you to a 52 page guidebook with all of the questions and all of the answers that you need to go from zero to a million. And by the way, if you happen to purchase the book between now and March 31st, which by the way is the end of quarter one, if you purchase the book in that time period, I will offer a one-time only answer to one of your questions about your law firm. So if you have a question, you will be prompted uh, to enter it into a form and I will respond to that question. It is a bonus I am offering. It is a one-time thing. Once March 31st hits, I'm not gonna do it again. So you really wanna go and buy that book now if you have any questions about your firm. As you're going through this book and you have a specific question, you can come back and ask me that one question and I will respond and that's included in the price of the book. Okay, so let's get into the first episode of this season now. This first episode is all about why you as a lawyer and a law firm owner should not be low-balling your hourly rates. Okay, I see this all the time. It makes me a little bit sick every time I see it because I see new attorneys who start a firm charging 200, 250, 225, 210. I mean, you should never have a two in front of your number, of your hourly rate, okay? Just because you're starting a new firm doesn't mean you are a newbie lawyer. The fact that you don't actually charge what you should be charging is actually hurting your firm more than it is helping you. So I'm gonna go through this episode with you and share with you exactly what you should be doing. And you definitely wanna listen until the end of this episode because there are so many attorneys who make this mistake when they are creating their law firm hourly rates. So let's get into point number one about your law firm hourly rate. How to calculate your hourly rate as a lawyer. Did you know that there are actually three parts when it comes to figuring out your hourly rate? This is something that a lot of people don't talk about because what they do is they just call the opposing counsel or someone else to figure out what their rate should be. Or they ask a friend and they say, hey, what are you charging? And I've seen some very dumb advice about this, which is multiply the cost of a Big Mac by 100 and you will know your hourly rate. Please, dear Lord, don't figure out your hourly rate that way. There's three factors. Here are the three factors. Number one, your location. Where are you located? Are you in a big city like New York? or are you in Jacksonville, Florida? Your rates are determined and heavily influenced by what city you are in. So that's factor number one. What city are you located in? Factor number two, do you have a niche? 
or said another way, highly specialized area of law that you are practicing. Okay, that's the second part. Now, here's the thing, every attorney I talk to is like, yeah, this is niche, this is so specialized. Listen, 90% of attorneys do not practice highly specialized areas of law. So by default, I want you to assume you're in the no category, okay? The third factor that affects your hourly rate is the number of years that you've been in practice. I've seen attorneys who have practiced for 10 years charging just as much as those who have been charging for two years, okay? It is absolutely absurd to me that that should be true, but I see it all the time. And just to quickly recap, those three factors here are the city that you're practicing in, your practice area, is it specialized, is it niche? And third, how many years you've been practicing, okay? So now I wanna break down each of those components a little bit more to give you a full understanding of why you shouldn't be lowballing your hourly rates and what it actually means when you do. How does your location that you are practicing in affect your hourly rate? Okay, friends, I'm gonna be honest with you. This is the most important factor. So if we're looking at this as a decision tree, these three pieces are number one, not equal. So it's not that these three factors are equally weighed. It's that one actually carries more weight than the other two do. Okay, now is it 50%, is it 70%? Honestly, it just varies. So don't try to figure that out. Just know that this is the most important factor. And that is what city you are practicing in. There's three categories that I've created for figuring out how, how the city that you live in affects your rates. So there are what I like to call your tier one cities. These are the most expensive cities to live in. Okay, I want you to look at the cost of living, the cost to buy a house, how much do groceries cost, what does gas cost? That is a tier one city, okay? Tier one means New York, San Francisco, Boston, Seattle, very expensive cities where it costs a lot of money to buy things, especially property, homes, gas, okay? So that is a tier one city. Now I'm gonna give you a tier three city next because it is the easiest to contrast to, okay? A tier three city is going to be a place where you can buy a home, have an easy lifestyle. You can buy a house for $300,000, $400,000. It's easy living, it is affordable, gas doesn't cost a lot, groceries, are significantly cheaper, rent is cheaper. This is the city that I'm talking about, okay? A tier three city is directly affected by the cost of living in that city. Okay, so what kind of cities am I including in a tier three city? No insult to anyone if you are in a tier three city, but basically if you are anywhere in Wyoming, in Idaho, in North Dakota, those are going to be your tier three cities, which just means the cost of living is significantly affordable. Go online and look online and see what are the most affordable cities to live in today in 2023. You will see those cities, those are your tier three cities, okay? So tier one, most expensive that you can search for. Tier three, least expensive that you can also search for. So 
by default, tier two is going to fall right in between. I personally think I live in a two, uh, tier two city. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. It is not expensive like New York and it is not inexpensive like any place in North Dakota. It is right in the middle, okay? And the cost of living here, the cost to buy groceries is not as expensive, but it's also not as affordable. Same with housing, same with rent, all of those things, right? You can Google search this to figure out what are the in the middle cities to live in. I think Dallas is another one of those cities. Houston is another one of those cities, right? You're looking at these tier two cities where it's right in the middle, okay? All right, so that is all the information that you need about location. Let's move on to the next thing that affects your hourly rate as a lawyer. How does your practice area affect your billable hourly rate as a lawyer? Let's talk about this. If you are practicing business law, just general business law, employment law, you are writing contracts for small business owners, you are helping them in small claims court, you're doing sort of very kind of generic stuff, that is not a niche practice area, nor is that a specialty. I'm very sorry if that hurts your feelings. I will also go one step further and say, if you are practicing immigration, if you are an estate planning attorney, if you are a personal injury attorney, like none of those things are niche areas of law. Neither is copyright, neither is trademark. None of those are in that niche specialized practice area. So what do I mean by specialized then? Okay, specialized is your colleague who went to MIT undergrad, got a, an undergraduate degree in engineering, then went to law school and is now a patent attorney at, you know, a big shaving company and is filing patent applications for, for them based on the various kinds of razors that they're making and understands the engineering mechanisms inside of those devices to be able to get utility patents and, and other kinds of patents for them and can also do patent litigation, right? And patent prosecution, wonderful. Okay, that is incredibly specialized, okay? Went to school for that thing specifically, has a degree in that thing specifically, is practicing that thing specifically. If you are an insurance defense attorney who worked in an insurance defense office for 15 years and you've worked with very highly specialized areas of insurance, like let's say ISDA swaps and things like that, honestly, it, you are a little bit more specialized, but you're not as specialized as this thing specifically. This person who has that undergraduate degree or a graduate degree in that specific field, like they are the specialists in that and they get to charge way more because they are specialized. If you are a general business attorney who's writing contracts or you are an estate planning attorney, you are not specialized in that field. That, that field of law is not seen as a specialty where you can command higher rates, okay? These other ones that I've mentioned before, those definitely can, but this one can't. Okay, 
Let's talk about the final thing that determines your hourly rate. How does the number of years that you've been in practice affect your billable hourly rate as a lawyer? Let me be honest with you. I've seen a lot of very experienced attorneys charging what new attorneys charge, and there is no justifiable reason for this other than the newer attorney is more ballsy. Maybe they're working with someone like me who is telling them, yep, you can charge 350 an hour. Yep, you can charge 400 an hour. What I've seen with these other attorneys who have been practicing for a longer period of time and aren't commanding those same rates is that when they started their practice, they were charging on the low end. They, were, they started at 200, then they slowly went to 225. Then they went to 240. Oh wait, there was a recession, so then they didn't increase their rates for three years. Then when they did again, it was three years later and they raised it to 275. Raise your hand if you've heard this story before. Maybe this is you, I'm not sure. But please know that if you start lower, it's just going to take you that much longer to get to a higher billable hourly rate, okay? The number of years that you've been in practice is an indicator of experience, okay? For the same reason that you would take your car to the dealership versus, you know, the guy on the corner who's doing work in his garage is the years of experience, right? You're assuming that that dealership has people who have worked on these cars for years and years and years, not someone who just graduated yesterday right? So you want to make sure that your hourly rate captures effectively the number of years that you've been in practice for. Okay, so let's now talk about what it actually happens when you price yourself too low versus when you price yourself right in line with the market based on where you're located the practice area and the years that you've been in practice. Okay, so let's talk about what a low ball rate means to your customers and to your clients. Think about McDonald's. When you go to McDonald's and you order off the menu and you see the McChicken sandwich and it's 99 cents, what are you thinking to yourself? Is that real meat? Am I gonna be sick? Is this worth 99 cents? Maybe I should just spend a dollar more, a couple dollars more, and go to Chick-fil-A instead. What happens when you go to Chick-fil-A? You know what you're gonna get. You know that you're going to get a fresh piece of a very thick piece of chicken, right? You're going to get bread, you're going to get lettuce. You know it's all going to be fresh. Why? Because they're charging you like seven times more than McDonald's is charging you. So I want you to think of your hourly rates the same way when you are charging too little, when you are not charging what is expected for someone with your level of experience and expertise, people are thinking you're McDonald's. Nobody wants to go to McDonald's and get sick. Nobody wants to hire you and then regret having hired you because they didn't get the divorce, they didn't get the child custody that they wanted, they didn't get as much, uh, uh, excuse me, they didn't get as much alimony as they wanted, right? Everyone is assuming that you get what you pay for. So if you hire the $200 an hour family attorney, 
who doesn't have an office, guess what you're getting? You are literally signaling to people that you are the equivalent of a McDonald's. And look, this is not to throw shade on McDonald's. I enjoy a McDonald's meal, especially a McFlurry when the machine is working every so often. But the reality is that as a lawyer, you don't wanna be seen in that same level. You want to be seen as at least a Chick-fil-A or better, okay? Let's talk about what a high billable hourly rate for your law firm signals to clients. I want you to think about a luxury car. Are you thinking about Mercedes, BMW, Porsche, Maserati? Odds are you've probably thought of one of these cars as soon as I said luxury car. What do you expect when you're in a luxury car? You expect a really good fast engine. You expect leather seat. You expect a heated steering wheel. You expect that you roll your window down with one button instead of rolling your window down manually, right? That is what you expect from a luxury vehicle. The same is true when you price your services at a luxury rate, which means not at 200 or 210 an hour, okay? That means that you are signaling to people, you are luxury. People are going to get results from you. They are going to get fast results from you. Now, listen, we all know fast is relative, but this is what they are expecting and this is what your price signals to them. If you just say 300, 400, 450, automatically people are like, wow, she must be really good at this if she's charging this much. Now listen, you're gonna have people who say, shit, I can't afford that and hang up on you, which is okay. You're gonna get 10 of those calls every week, but for every 10 that you get, you're gonna get at least one who's like, game, sign me up, let's do this. It's those nine calls that come in that keep attorneys, prevent them from charging what they should actually be charging based on their location, their practice area, and yes, it, their years in practice, okay? So I want you to know that people are thinking about these things when they are experiencing your practice and your rates. It is a signal to them and we've been signaled and conditioned by all of these things because we are all humans who live in society where everything is marked by a price. People go to Target, people go to Walmart. I have friends who prefer going to Target and spending a little bit more on things that are typically 20 to 30% more, okay? Why? Because it, it gives that experience of luxury versus not. All right. So let's keep talking about what I see attorneys doing, which is one of the biggest mistakes that they make when they are pricing themselves based on their hourly rate. So are you ready for the mistake? Here's the mistake. Every attorney I know does not take into consideration all the work that they went through to become a lawyer to justify their hourly rate. I'm gonna take you through this exercise, okay? You went through undergrad, paid whatever you paid, studied your ass off, you took the LSAT, you probably paid for a prep course. Then from there, you applied to law schools, which by the way, wasn't cheap. Even when I did it, I applied to 10 
and each application was $75. I was a college kid paying almost $1,000 just for law school applications, which is insane. You paid for that and then you got into law school. Then you spent the three years in law school. You spent the time and the money to be in law school. Then you paid for a bar exam course, whether it was Barbary or Kaplan or whatever you took and you spent money on that. And then you had to go through and take the bar, which you paid a lot of money for. Then you had to go through the character and fitness committee. And that's all you did just to become a lawyer. And that only includes what you did from undergrad on. That doesn't include if you went to a private high school or a private middle school, or if you interned somewhere at your dad's office when you were you know, thinking about becoming a lawyer. You have spent so much time, so much money to become a lawyer that you forget to include that in your rates. And every single attorney I meet lowballs themselves. They could 100% be charging more, but they are scared shitless to charge more. And that's why I created this entire episode for you here so that you understand all of the components to your hourly rate. Now listen, I'm gonna tell you that some of this is gonna be an experiment, but here's what I mean when I say experiment. You might be testing 550 to 600. That's an experiment. An experiment is not testing hourly rates between 300 and 500. That is too wide of a range. And I have no idea what you practice that you would even be in that range or how many years that you've practiced, right? So while you are experimenting, I would recommend charging higher because if you charge lower, it, you can't go back. You can't charge more after that. You've already said the right. That is what it is, right? It's better for you to charge higher and then just come down a little bit. If you feel like people just aren't biting, come down by 25, come down by 30, right? So here are my recommendations on what you can do when you increase your hourly rate. Number one, make sure you increase your hourly rate every single year. Even if it is by $15, $25, every year the cost of living goes up. Every year when you go into Starbucks, that same 12 ounce coffee now costs 20 cents more, 30 cents more. That's because you have to adjust for inflation. So you have to increase your prices every single year, okay? Even if it is by a little. Number two, I want you to make sure that you communicate your increase in prices in advance to your clients. This should be done no later than 60 days before the end of the year. So what does that mean? That means on October 31st, November 1st, you are going to email, send out a paper copy, however you communicate with your clients, and you're gonna let them know that prices are going up. Our hourly rate last year was 300. We've so enjoyed working with you. Thank you for, for working with us. We look forward to working with you in the next year. Our rates will now be 325 to reflect whatever change in the economy, to reflect whatever, our, our increase in experience. You don't need to even justify it. You just need to say, this is what we're charging now this year and that's that. So the last thing I want you to do is I want you to know that there are two times in the year when it's okay to increase your rates. My preferred 
is for you to increase your rates at the end of the year so that you can start the new year at new rates and everybody expects that. However, every so often I will suggest to a client that they can increase their rates mid year. So what does that mean? That means June 1st, you should go ahead and increase your rates. It's middle of the year. It's okay to do it at that point, especially if I have a client where let's say you start working with them in March and they haven't increased their rates in four years. I'm not making them wait until January to increase their rates. We're doing it now and it's going to happen in that summer cycle when it's okay to let people know that your rates have increased. Okay, so that is everything that you need to know about why you shouldn't lowball your hourly rates and how you should even be looking at your hourly rates. Again, I talk about this all in the book, Zero to One Million, How to Grow and Scale a Wildly Successful Law Firm. Take a look at that link. And again, if you get that book in this three month time period um, by March 31st, then I will answer one of your questions about your law firm and that's included in the cost of your purchase. All right, thank you so much for listening into this episode. Stay tuned for the next one because it's coming out of the book as well and it will help you further in this decision on and it will help you further as you are growing your law firm in 2023. Thank you so much for listening in. I will see you in the next episode, my friends. Bye. Hey, law firm owners. Thanks so much for listening in to another episode of the Wildly Successful Law Firm Podcast. I so appreciate your support and being here. Please, please, please take two seconds to subscribe to the podcast or to leave a review. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter because I do send a lot of specials and offers and just cool things via email once every week. The link to sign up is below. Thank you so much again for supporting me. I am here to help you grow your wildly successful law firm. Thank you.